should be played at high volume. Oh, K.J. Martin denying Rudy Gobert. There it is. Tate puts it up and in. Porter Jr. again. With his ninth three-pointer of it. My heart with the rebound. Look at it. Look at it. He's going to take it the length of the court. Puts it up in the left hand. The second pick will be made by the Houston Rockets. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Liftoff Podcast, brought to you by the Lead Sports Media. I'm your host, Keegan Smith, and I'm here with the boys. Say what's up. You already know what it is. It's your boy, Zeke. How's it going? It's good. It's Corey Randall. What's going on with y'all, man? This is the first podcast coming at you from the post-draft era and Houston Rockets basketball. We've got some very, very exciting young talent coming to this team. Uh, a lot of things to look forward to. So on today's post-draft special for episode four, we're going to be talking about the top pick of the night for each of us. Uh, we're going to do some detailed scouting on the four selections in the first round by Raphael Stone in the Houston Rockets front office. And we'll talk about our guys from last time and the prospects we wanted to see. And so we'll discuss where they ended up and how that fit is for them. And then we'll be talking about how Raphael Stone is an amazing GM. He is the king of NBA GMs, and you cannot convince us otherwise. So we're going to hop right into it. Uh, top pick of the night. Usually we would go in order, you know, Zeke, I'd let you talk, and then Corey would respond. But I'm going to take over real quick because I want to talk about my top pick of the night, Alperin Shingun. Yes. This guy. Hey. And I saw some people, whenever we took him, when we traded two future first-rounders for Alperin Shingun, yeah, some Keith, people tell were them how, tell them the protections on those picks, how he fleeced that degenerate. Tell them, the, tell them those were some highly <laughs> how protected. He fleeced that, fleeced that, he, he fleeced yeah. that order of picks. Man, would rather, that, man would that rather, threw me off guard. I, man, I would rather, guard. man would rather trade his trade his pick to get more picks instead of trading instead of getting players that can actually impact such a degenerate. We we do not like Sam Presti here. I'm going to make that clear. If you can't already tell, we're not a fan of Sam Presti and his thousands of draft picks. Uh, so, yeah. A money was, laundering scheme. It, dude, it for real is. He's, it's like money laundering for draft picks. And so here we are. <laughs> and so Houston trades, I believe it was a 2023 pick from the Pistons and also from the Wizards. And both of them were pretty much lottery protected, and it extends a little bit further, I believe. And so we were never going to get those picks so my top move of the night for the, uh, for the Houston Rockets was trading those two future heavily protected firsts for the 16th overall selection to take Alperin Shingun, who is a six foot 10 big out of Turkey, sky-high offensive potential. And the best part is that we still kept pick 23 and 24 and got to select with those later on. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what Shingun can do. I think he's a very versatile player. And I'll talk a whole lot more about him as we get further into this podcast. We'll go a little more in depth. And we will also slander Sam Presti a little bit more. So we're going to move on. Corey, what is your top pick of the night for Houston? Top pick of the night. I mean, if we're going off top pick, obviously get Jalen Green. Um, hey. You know, Jalen Green is a killer on the court. I know there's a lot of hype, uh, you know, around Cade playing at the college level and you know, being being basically the best player uh, in college basketball. But you have Jalen Green, who, you know, played with Ignite 
phenomenal player. A lot of people have uh, a lot of great expectations. He has a lot of great expectations. I like his energy. I'm also biased because he's from Cali like me. And I just think he's going to bring a lot to the table for Houston. And we're going to have a crazy backcourt this coming or for the future, at least. I feel it, man. See, I would have been talking about Jalen Green because, you know, me and Don Knock and a few others on Rockets Twitter, you know, we've been doing the, you know, Jalen Green propaganda. You know, uh, Don Knox said the other day, well, not even the other day, a few hours ago, that we're an equal opportunity employer. So if you want to be a part of the green gang, you know, everybody can join. You know what I mean? But um, I want to give some side to Garuba. Garuba is my, my pick. Um, when we initially drafted him, funny enough, I wasn't excited because it was more like, oh, Kai Jones was taken a little bit earlier or Jalen Johnson was taken a little bit earlier. Oh, my guy, uh, Trey Murphy was taken a little bit earlier, right? It's just like, damn, could have just traded, traded up, you know, because the Knicks just folded. They wanted nothing to do with their picks, right? And it's just like, man, we could have got these picks and got these guys, but Garuba is an animal on defense, right? Like, he is a 6'8 wing or big with a 70 wingspan, right? And l- let me even look at his weight. His weight is 229. This is he not did. a child. This is this guy is ready. You know what I mean? And like it's amazing from how he just shifts from one end to another end off the court. His defensive IQ, his defensive awareness, his positional awareness is just wild. And the thing is, is just that. He's not just this guy that's going to be chasing around guys. He's not a body. He's very good at just passing, right? Like offensively, like he has so many plays where his touch passes just completely change a game, right? It's is just remarkable. You don't really see many big forwards that have the court vision to be a connector and then still be able to lock up your, your guy from two to five and put them in hell, right? We don't see that often. So I I can't wait to see him. I want to see what he develops into. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some very good answers there. Uh, as you can tell, there's a lot that we're very, very excited for in Houston. Uh, some great picks all around on draft night. I think the most exciting part really is that we're finally getting some love from the national media I don't know if you guys noticed that as well, but there are a lot of top draft guys who are saying Houston was just winning this draft outright. Because you look at it, we brought in a top three talent in Jalen Green, whether he was one, two, or three, it depends on the board, right? But he was consensus top three, no matter what, really. And then we brought in Shingun, who was projected to be another lottery talent, and he barely slipped out of the lottery. 16 is really close to being in there. But, I mean, there were a lot of boards that had him going top uh, top 10 or 11, especially. Right. He was projected to go to the Spurs a lot. He was projected to be a Hornets pick by a lot of draft pundits. And so we got some incredible value bringing him in, uh, you know, just a little bit later, and he was supposed to go. And so Stone capitalized on that. Great move. And then Garuba brings a ton on the defensive end. That's an amazing pick. You know, if you get a solid roll guy out of 23 – and that's going to be, you know, that's a great value pick, too. And then Josh Christopher, uh, we haven't shown Josh Christopher much love yet on this episode. We'll get there. And I think that he's, you know, he's a talent swing at 24. Uh, a lot of, I mean, he was a top 10 recruit in his draft class. 
coming out of high school. And yeah. so he's definitely got a lot of potential too. And so on that note, since we are so excited, we're going to dial it back just a hair and we're going to go into some detailed scouting for each one. We're going to start out with Jalen Green. And of course, we don't have to talk much about Jalen Green because you guys have been hearing about him for the last six weeks straight. But if we had to boil him down to just, you know, what he is at the moment and why his potential is so sky high, he's an elite athlete. He is the best scorer, pure scorer in this draft class and probably any draft class of the last several uh, several years. He can put the ball through the hoop, and that's what counts. And he just he brings a ton of energy to the floor, and he brings the charisma. And you know, it's going to sound really uh, really stupid, but he kind of brings the charisma and swag that you need from the face of your franchise. And you look at the suit that he was wearing on draft night. That boy Jalen, he was Jalen was dripped out, man. He looked great, right? And so just to have him coming in there, and you know, and he's throwing up the H and all of his picks. I, that is our future franchise guy. So what do y'all yeah. have? Uh, just general thoughts on the green pick. Uh, you know, you can talk how he's going to fit, uh, what you really like about him, what number he should wear, that kind of thing. Just whatever y'all have thoughts on Jalen Green, go. I have nothing else to say besides he is him. He is him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is him. Um, okay, let me let me stop being silly. Um uh, as a person who has been a part of the Jalen Green uh, propaganda, I would like to respectfully say that I told you so. He was going number two. We weren't getting Mobley. Mobley uh, decided to not want to be here just like a few other people did a, a few months ago, right? But um, neither here nor there. Um, Jalen Green is a star, right? Um, we're not sure that he's a bona fide star, but he can become a superstar, right? Uh, he could even become the face of the league, but we have to wait first, right? He's a man who has a smooth jumper, can get to the rim at will at any call, at any time. Um, high motor, somebody who is driven to win, somebody who's driven to be the best version of himself. Highly competitive guy. Um, he literally came in to draft night looking like a guy from Motown just to show what Detroit is about to miss out on. Right. Um, but what I liked about him is that from the past two days is that he's extremely mature and self-aware and that he seems like the adult in the room amongst his uh, draft mates. And that um, he kind of got tripped up from that Kobe question, but then he just refused to answer it because he knew that um, it was in poor taste because Kobe left Earth two years ago. Right. So but. The point is, is that like, I like what we see from him. I hope that he pans out to what we believe he can be. And um, I'm just happy that we have somebody who truly embraces to being the, the franchise guy, to, be, to have the burdens of a franchise. And that um, I think him and KPJ can be something, be the most dynamic backcourt in the league. Both 6'6", both can get to the rack, both can score. Jalen Green needs to work on his passing and reads but it'll come and defensively that's something we'll talk about but i believe silas and the brass can get them up to snuff so that they won't be turnstiles on defense but i believe in the team jalen green well i want to first start off with um you know when he when he was at the draft i remember it was nima i believe has said that because since nima was there that um you know everybody was chanting Cade and uh, you know, he kind of looked back, like nodding his head because he's embracing that challenge as, all right, like you think he's the best player in the draft. Like I'm going to show you otherwise. 
whether he does show that he is better than Cade or not, it'll still he'll still at least show that he's you know a, a top tier player. And he also he's somebody who seems like he really you have people who kind of use they'll use a sport as like a tool just to kind of like get money or get fame and do other things. He actually is somebody who like loves basketball. You can right. tell he loves basketball. Uh, he likes working hard. He has, he sets high expectations for himself um, and he has a swagger to do it. And kind of reminds me of like with his swagger reminds me of Deion Sanders. Cause you know, when Deion Sanders said like, yeah. look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you play good, they pay good, all that kind of stuff. So, and he talked about, uh, you know, one of his things is he wants to obtain a max contract. And it's like, you know, he has that confidence that that this team needs, especially after losing, uh, losing someone like James Harden. So, um, you know, definitely the, you know, the future is bright for him. Yeah, you absolutely, uh, you love to see that confidence from the guy that you pick second overall uh, to have him come in here and just assert himself as one of the best players in the NBA already. And he hadn't even stepped on the court in the league yet. But he's very, very confident in his ability to play at the next level. And you love to see that kind of it's, – it's not arrogance, but he's prepared to go and do whatever it takes to be great in the NBA. And so to have a guy that – you know, he's projected to – he'll probably average at least 25 points per game at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, within – not his first year. I highly doubt that. Probably not his second. But, I mean, you're looking at year – by year three, if everything goes right in his development, like he's going to be one of the most elite scorers in the league. And he'll be like 22 years old doing it. And exactly. I think – personally, I think that he's going to lead the NBA in scoring one day. And then you look at losing James Harden, who is arguably the best scorer in the league, a generational scorer, if you will. Green scores in a different way than Harden does, but you replace – an offensive superstar with another bucket getter who is an who has the potential to become an offensive superstar like that. So I, I really like the transition of how we've moved from the Harden era. We had our our certified bucket, and you know we've got another one that's just way more athletic now. And he's he's going to be fun to watch. He's going to put he's going to put butts in seats at Toyota Center. People are going to love coming to watch him too. And so for a rebuilding team, a lot of people don't want to put themselves through a team that might win 20, 25 games all year. But I think Green is also a good pick in that regard, too. I mean, he's great for business because he I mean, he's a pure hooper, as some people would put it. I mean, you see him on Ball is Life and that kind of thing, and they're posting all of his highlights. And so he's, he's going to be electric in Houston. There's no doubt. No, definitely. Right. And, like, Corey, what you said about um, the Deion Sanders comp, I definitely see it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Because like yeah. he definitely wears his suits. Like I like the fact that he's always tooted and booted, like suited up. But exactly. then his jewelry is just loud. Like that, and, and and even like you know, with me following him on Instagram, just just out. I mean, I'm huge on on like fashion, so like yeah. he puts a lot of fits together. He you know he he does he puts his hair and he's very versatile with putting his hair in different ways and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like this guy. You know, he, he's a, like real, you know, uh, expressive type of guy with how he presents himself. So, yeah, pretty self-aware with his looks. Mm-hmm. You love a guy that has character, too, like that. You know, he makes himself he makes his presence known is the thing. And so he's going to set himself apart to, you know, even the off the court stuff, because they were talking about how many Instagram followers he had on draft night, too. They mm-hmm. said, oh, but he has more than even the number one pick does, too. He's got like one point two mil or something like that. 
I mean, people love this guy. There's a reason that so many people follow him. And, it, you mm-hmm. know, it's as much for his off-the-court persona than it is for his actual on-court production, too. And so he's going to be really exciting, you know, taking the next step into the Jalen Green era. Uh, but that's enough about Jalen. We've, you know, we've been talking about him for the last month and a half uh, yeah. ahead of the pick. I want to talk Alperin Shengun because mm-hmm. I've already changed my name to Alperin Shengun Stan on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, right? And admittedly, I probably am. But I guess I'll give you all a little bit of a rundown on this guy. He is a 6'10", 240-pound big man out of Turkey. And he turned 19 the Sunday before the draft, and the draft was on a Thursday night. And so he is one of the youngest players in this class. He played in the Turkish uh, – I think it's the Turkish Super League or something like that, but it's, it's the main uh, basketball league over in Turkey. And it's arguably the second-best league outside of the NBA. The only one that's really better than it overseas is probably the actual Euro League. Right. But this Turkish league has – I think it was roughly 20 NBA guys playing in it, something like that, former NBAers. And Alperin Shengun came in here as an 18-year-old, and he's huge. He doesn't look like an 18-year-old, but he comes in here. He averages, I think it was 19.2 points per game, um, and then eight, no, 9.4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, with 1.3 steals, 1.7 blocks, right? He shot 67.9% from two, and then 64% – from the field overall, right? And now he is a traditional post-up big, and I know a lot of people are put off by that. But basically every single, you know, big draft publication out there that was scouting him was saying he has the potential to develop face-up game. And that's what's really going to make the difference with him. If he can develop a face-up game, he's going to be amazing one day. And he is a very talented playmaker for, for a big man especially. Uh, there were, he drew a lot of comparisons to DeMontis Sabonis, to Nikola Jokic, these big European, uh, big European dudes who can play make and you know they can get you a bucket pretty much any time. Yes, his defense is a little bit suspect, but give it enough time, you know, you just don't want him to be an absolute like, um, you know, you don't want him to just be a liability. As long as he's a serviceable defender, then that's all you can ask for. And I think his size makes him that because he won't get pushed around in the paint like most young bigs probably would because he's he's just massive for his age is the thing. And so I'm really excited to see him. Uh, and then three-point shot is the other concern. And, you know, he, he shot, I think it was 82% from free throws. Or it was 81.2, actually. 81. Yeah. yeah, and that's on 6.2 free throw attempts per game. And so he can shoot free throws at a high level. And if you determine your potential to shoot threes off of your free throw percentage, there's no reason to worry about shooting and shooting. He, he projects to be a stretch big one day. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Corey. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, with with Shangun, like, um, you know, I I was looking at some of his highlights and he, he was putting some numbers on people's heads. He was dunking on multiple <laughs> people, um, and you know, although he he needs to make better reads defensively, like it's still impressive to me if you have a lot more to learn on that end of the floor and you still almost average two blocks a game and a steal. Uh, you know, averaging that steal for a big man. And, you know, we look at his – the fact that he can shoot free throws at a, at a pretty good rate uh, for any position at 81% and shows that he has a lot of promise um, to be able to spread the floor because he only shot 19% from three 
But you also, you know, with looking at percentage, you also want to look at how many attempts. And he shot 0.7 threes per game. So he's not really shooting much. He took 21 all year in Turkey. Exactly. So it's like that's not enough of like uh, of 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 repetition. I mean, it's the same thing if you're somebody who you never go to the free throw line, like you're probably not going to shoot as well as somebody who goes consistently uh, uh, on a game to game basis because they're getting used to that flow and you're not. So I think for him, like that's, that's something that I'm not really worried about, but he do can play. Uh, he won Turkish league MVP, uh, this year as well, which is impressive at his age. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think he's, he's a steal. I like these low key, like kind of mid picks in the first round. Cause you think of some players, certain players like, um, you know, you look at a like Kawhi. Kawhi was a 15th pick in the 2011 draft. You look at Giannis was a 15th pick in the 2014 draft. Um, you got some steals in the second round, like Jokic, and even when Isaiah Thomas in the 2011 draft. Like I like these these guys that nobody seems to be super high on, and then they just end up coming out of nowhere, and people regret not picking them. Um, Operin, uh, Operin Sengun, I like him. I like him. I like him at pick 16. Um, how do I describe his game or his ceiling? His ceiling is like a shiftier, a shiftier Sabonis, right? Which uh, is I like, wouldn't say shiftier. He's he's not super like quick by any means, mm-hmm. but he is kind of all over the court. So I, I guess that's fair. But yeah, like I'm not saying he's crossing up people, but he knows how to get where he needs to go. He knows how to get his spots. Yeah, yeah. So I would say he's more of a shiftier Sabonis of anything. Um, what impresses me most is his touch at the rim and his uh, court vision, and just him having the potential to be a three-level scorer. Um, another thing that I really like about him is that he just didn't play professionally, right, for a long time. He also dominated. Before he even turned 19, he won MVP of the Turkish League, right? I feel like that's something that nobody brings up. You know, the last time – when was the last time you heard of an MVP uh, player from a different country – Coming into the United States, and, I'm, I'm uh, not sure, but maybe Luca. Luca, Luca won did. an MVP in the Euro. Yeah, yeah, and he hasn't he failed, and he didn't fail. Mm-hmm. Right? He's, no. he, these guys don't. I'm not gonna say they're bust proof, right? But I would say that there's more than likely a chance that he's going to be a highly productive basketball player, right? Um, to say that his defense needs to be worked on, that it's not up to par is just being putting it nicely right he's pretty pathetic on that end but um he's young um he will he will learn right um there's a lot of upside with him on the both sides of the floor he is 69 240 so like it with a seven foot wingspan so there's a lot to hope from what he could be in a uh as a post defender and manning down the paint um hopefully we can get his footwork to be better laterally so that he can um chase guys around but mostly what i did not like about his defense is more like he get he gets pushed around a lot but 69240 at ni- at 19 years old is nothing to talk about by the time he becomes like you know a grown man like 23 24 he's going to be way bigger than 240 and that 240 is not just going to be of just chunkiness it's just going to be of raw muscle you know so I believe on him. He's going to be it. I, I can't wait to see what he develops to become. He, can I, like the, can you imagine 
him and Christian Wood together just tearing things up, that would be an unguardable duo. And then you have the unguardable backcourt that we have. Crazy. You're preaching, man. I'm telling I could talk about Shingun all day. Like I could do a whole hour-long podcast just about this guy. Cause I I I'm in love with his game, truly. And maybe that's outrageous to say about a quote unquote post up big in the year 2021. But he's not even a post up big. He's more like a big in the running Jokic, um, like archetype than anything else, right? Like he's more of the future post up big, a, a, a point, a point big. Yeah, right? like Jokic does a lot of post play is the thing, and so that's why he gets compared so much to Jokic and Sabonis. It's yeah. because he's this European dude that can score underneath the basket and he can play make some. I am my ideal scenario besides him becoming like a future all star or something, which there is potential in there. Like, if he's supposed to be a lottery yeah. pick, he definitely has the potential to get there if everything goes right. Uh, my ideal situation for him is that he comes into the NBA, uh, develops a respectable three point shot, like he's assumed that, you know, we've assumed that he can based on his free throw shooting and being able to work with an NBA staff. I mean, winning an MVP of the Turkish League at 18 years old, and then you turn 19 uh, four days before the draft, and so you're one of the youngest guys in the draft. Like, he's he's going to get so much better than he already is. And since he's played against really high-level competition in Europe, he is practically bust-proof. I'll, I'll go that far to say it. Mm. Now, maybe something goes wrong and he has an injury, something like that, that, you know, the pick doesn't pan out. But I yeah. think there's probably like a 95, probably 90 95% chance this guy is a productive role player, at least. My ideal um, way to utilize him at some point within his first couple of years in the league before he's, you know, great. I would like to see <coughs> – excuse me. I would like to see him at some point playing like a point big, like Jokic does, but off the bench. Because I think bench units would not be as prepared to defend that type of guy because you don't see it often, right? Usually, yeah. like, you get it from Jokic, you get it from Sabonis. But bench units just – they don't play against Jokic or Sabonis, and so they're going to struggle a little bit more because it's not something that they face very often. And so uh, credit to – I think it was uh, Hayden Gray on on Rockets Twitter. He was talking about how, you know, if he can become this offensive hub off the bench and be this backup backup power forward or center and just play just a little bit of defense, but if he can be this offensive hub as a scoring option and facilitating – you know, he can bring the ball up, that kind of thing. That's like that's his ideal role in Houston for me. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do because his potential is just sky high. And it's going to be, and you know, he we see a clear path for him to reach it too in Houston. And I think so, when he gets with our coaching staff, yeah, I, I think he'll be there. So, okay, this is where you and I differ. My host for him, and it's probably very high expectations, but I want him to be Marcus Saul. If he can fix everything up defensively, then I want him. Then he can be a starter. You know what I mean? He could oh, be a yeah, starter and yeah. potentially he can potentially be the best player on the team. Um, I wouldn't want him to come off the bench. I would prefer him to start and have Garuba come in and like shore up the defense when we're in hell when we're in like some deep stuff because. Um, I want it to be similar to like what goes on with uh, Utah Jazz and their situation, where like yeah they have their they have the stifled tower there manning the defense. Here's the identity. He may not be their best player, maybe the most impactful next to Donovan Mitchell, but because of the fact that he gets 
you know, blown up on defense because of the fact that guards come in and they seek him out through isolations and then he's cooked food. If that happens with Sanguine with us, we just say, okay, you want to do that? Then we put our Garuba and then it becomes truly positionless and there's no, there's no advantages that you can take for the opposite team on offense. You know what yeah, I mean? So that's what I would prefer. But we yeah. don't know that what would happen to Sanguine. Sanguine would have to decide that himself with this development. Yeah, and he's very aware of what he needs to improve upon on his game. Uh, he's talked about how he needs to improve his shooting and defense. Like, you were talking to him pre-draft, and uh, and that's what he was saying is, I need to become a better shooter, and I need to become a more consistent defensive presence. And so I think he's very aware of what he needs to improve upon. And since he is young and he'll be working with, a you know, a great coaching staff, I, I have faith that he can be a really good player. If he could become a Gasol, oh, my God. I would, yeah. I would be through oh, the roof, man. Of that course. That would be, be amazing. I just and don't want to set what? my expectation too high right now. And you know what? He has potential there because um, I'm looking at his box score stats. He may have shot 21% from three, but it's like low. It's, it's like a low sample size. But when you look at his form, it's fixable. It's not bad. He has a good base to start with, right? The steals, he averaged 1.3 steals in Turkey, in Turkey, right? And his block rate, 1.5 blocks a game. 1.7. One huh? 1.7 blocks. Oh, really? From here, what I'm looking at it says 1.5. But uh, 1. we we might be on different uh different sides then. No, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll take 1.7. Yeah. I'll take the either one. Is, yeah, I'll take them. So the point is, is that there's a lot of potential here. He's not going to be cooked food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, go ahead. His sorry. his like his body frame and his like craftiness in the post kind of remind me of a former Rocky. Um, I know you guys remember uh, Donatus, Donatus Montiunis. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like similar body frame and craftiness in the paint, except for Montiunis was a better shooter. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, he knows what he needs to do and hopefully gets there. Um, but that probably leads us to, since he brought him up, Garuba. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make me shut up about Shen Kieran. <laughs> I've, been, I've been going on way too much about him. I mean, K isn't this, uh, the Sengu Stan account for no reason. No, nah, there's a reason. Come on now. He's <laughs> been good. Yeah, we, we can talk Garuba, though. Um, I guess y'all mind if uh, – or you know what, Corey or Zeke, one of y'all, y'all can, y'all can do the scouting for me. All right, so Usman Garuba, he's a six foot nine, 229-pound beast with a seven foot three wingspan. He is basically known as a defensive big. And most scouts think that his ceiling is Draymond Green, right? Um, I kind of push back on that because I do see him as a big, but I view him mostly of Bismack Biombo in 2017 Raptors playoffs, but can switch through one through five and occasionally hit a three, right? Bismack and people be like Bismack Biombo. Playoff Biombo was something else, man. Exactly. He got a payday. He got saying. a payday. He got a payday because he, he met LeBron at the rim and told LeBron, no, not today. Not many people can say that unless you're Jason Richardson and being able to, like, block 360-degree dunks, right? But, like, the point is, is, like, um, this man is, like, actually, no, that's not Jason Richardson. That was LeBron that blocked Jason Richardson's 360-degree dunk, but that's no point. But the, the point is, is, like, this man – if he hits either of those two ceilings, the one that the computer generated uh, module generated for him or my own, 
that's a really good basketball player, right? You're getting a guy who is basically fits what commission what 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 the general manager wants. General, general manager Stone wants, which is positionless basketball. He he exudes that. A guy who can potentially switch from one to five, put everybody in jail, still be aware to just bust up every single player like Draymond, but then meet at the rim like a Bianco and tell people no, it's not happening, right? And another thing that we're just not giving him credit for is his passing ability. He has so he is so good with his court vision in terms of just connecting, being a secondary playmaker in the post, that he just finds guys. I don't know how he does this, as if he has eyes behind the back of his head. He's not really much of a shooter. He shoots at 34%, 34.8. His uh, form is washed. But then again, compared to Sengun, <laughs> shoots at 21%. And, you know, there's a lot to work with here. You know, there's like so many things to say about Usman Garuba. Shout out to Nigeria because I'm Nigerian myself. So I have a lot of love for him. Um, I don't know where he's going to be right now. I think personally he may be off the bench to be like a, a spark plug guy, but um, the sky's the limit with him, just like the rest of the guys in the draft that we picked up. Right. Like this really, this really like exudes everything that stone said, which is what he wanted young guys, high motor athletic uh, potential busting and just guys that played as pros, but not only that, they have a skill already that if you place them in the NBA, they're fine. So even if they don't meet their potential, they're still productive ro- rotationary players. So I'm fine with group. Yeah, and you, you think... said that... Okay, you can go oh, ahead. No, no go ahead. No, you go. Okay, uh, I was going to say, you mentioned that he's a pro, right? And he's yeah. been playing uh, several years. He's been playing you know, pretty much professional basketball overseas. And I, I think he spent the last season with Real Madrid, uh, actually. And so this guy, like my take on Garuba, first off, he was listed as like a top 20-ish talent on a lot of boards. And so we got him at 23. And I think that's, you know, it's going to be good value as long as he uh, can fill his role. And his role in Houston, he's, you know, he was the best defender in this draft outside of Evan Mobley. Most people regard him as the best defender, not named Evan Mobley in this draft. And so you look at him playing for Team Spain, and they're in their exhibition game against Team USA, and their coach says, hey, Usman, go and take on KD, right? And so you're guarding a generational scorer, probably the best pure scorer in NBA or basketball history as a whole. And like, he, he defended him pretty well, and the dude is 19 years old. And so like, to, to be confident enough in his defense that you throw him on KD right off the bat, right out of the gate, at tip off, you know, that like, – that just – it really says something about him to me. And he's got – you know, he's a big body. He's got high motor. You could really – like, if you wanted to, you could slot him in at the three even instead of the four or, like, a small ball five. You'd like to see the jump shot be better at the three, though. Uh, and we already have Tate there with the spotty jumper, so that's kind of questionable. But I think mm-hmm. off the bench, this dude, he's just going to be a defensive weapon. They're going to send him in there. They're going to say, hey, look, uh, Maxi Kleba is just lighting us up from three right now or something. It's going to be like some scrub playing power forward, whatever, or, like, playing center. They're going to be like, hey, go shut this guy down. Or, you know, someone's someone just starts lighting us up. And it's going to be like my best-case scenario for Garuba, and I'm not super high on his offensive potential, but defensively, Stone said that he is the best defender in basketball outside of the NBA. Mm. And that is extremely high praise for this guy at the age of 19. My best-case scenario for Garuba 
looks like we get him. He becomes an amazing defender. Uh, he can lock down one through four and hopefully five uh, as a small ball five. And then the, he develops a corner three and he becomes P.J. Tucker on steroids. That, that's what I'd like to see. And mm. I will be extremely happy. That will be great value at pick 23. If it can be Sergio I'll be happy also. Yeah, I'd be t- yeah, I mean you could. But Serge Serge seven feet though. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but he he kinda looking at his defensive highlights, he kind of reminds me. I know a lot of people probably won't like this. I like him anyway, is Pat Bev. Like it reminds me of like a big Pat Bev because the way how 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 active he is defensively and the way he moves his feet he reminds me just like a bigger version of him. But he also with his body frame and stuff who's another African player, but he's from Cameroon, is uh, Luke Richard Mbamute, um, who is also a great defender. Uh, that's kind of who reminds me of. Offensively, there's uh, not much there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can always develop into, into something, whether it's, you know, being a pretty good shooter or just simply, you know, get into the rack. I mean, someone like Luke, Luke Mbamute, um, uh, he – you know, he wasn't a great shooter at first, but he kind of developed his shot later on. But he could always, you know, finish around the paint, do different things like that. So it, that's uh, a rock legend, too. Man, I love him. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it'll, it, he's young. So, you know, we'll see what he can do. But definitely just being a, a menace on defense is going to help us out a lot. Yeah, and the last guy that we've got, man, we've we've been talking for a whole lot longer than I realized. Uh, it's right. going to be a really long episode. Uh, last guy that we drafted was pick 24, Josh Christopher. Uh, he satisfied Hooper Twitter for sure. Uh, best friends with Jalen Green as well. They played on the same AAU team, if I remember right. Uh, and, you know, they talked in the press conference post-draft with the Rockets saying, you know, we never thought that we would have been reunited as teammates on professional team, you know, like it's, it's a blessing to get to play together again. And I'm just, I'm really excited to watch their chemistry on this team. Uh, really, he's going to be like a backup guard. I don't see him playing very much, but he's, he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, and he can score. He can put, he can put the basketball in the hoop. That's for sure. He might mm-hmm. not be the most efficient at it, but efficiency will get better as it goes on. Uh, he could probably tighten up his handle a little bit, but most young players could. And then he's a he's a pretty good defender too. Like I mean, he'll stay in front of guys. And you look at him. Uh, and Stone even said that we want to turn him into a lockdown type of guy eventually down the road. And yeah. He's got the potential for that with his athleticism and his physical tools. And so uh, he's I mean he's pretty big too. I mean he's six. Uh, he's what six four six five something like that. Yeah, so he's, about he's six got, five. Yeah, he's got some good size at the guard spot too. And so you just, he's got a lot. Like he's a high upside guy. I don't think he'll contribute much for a while with Houston just because our guard rotation is so just clogged up right now. There's no minutes to go around, really. I think he'll be great in the G League uh, with that team for as long as we can put him down there just to get some get some reps, that kind of thing. But eventually I could see him being a, a pretty productive player for Houston. So what y'all got? Right. I'm, I mean, um, Corey, go first, bro. You're the California guy, so you definitely saw a lot <laughs> of uh, West Coast games from ASU. Yeah, uh, even before that, um, I seen, you know, Jay Gup, as they call him. Uh, I seen him in high school, even when he was like sophomore, junior and stuff. I'd see some of his highlights and all that. Um, he very much reminds me of Nick Young, kind of, um, with his scoring ability. 
But Nick Young, like when he was on the Wizards, which I feel like was obviously probably his best. Um, but yeah, he reminds me that, you know, he has a knack for scoring. He needs to improve from the three-point line. Uh, he only shot about like, what, 30, 30 and a half percent from three. But he shot 80% from the free throw line. Uh, he does need to tighten his handle, but he has a solid body. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think he could turn into, you know, a really solid uh, two-way player for this team. It'll take some development with that, but, you know, he's playing with one of his closest friends. And, and even if in, in college, when you don't have uh, a lot of people when they play in college, aren't like efficient, but when you get to the NBA, it can be easier for people to be efficient because you have, you're playing with better players. You have people setting better screens and you got more spacing. I've, actually played on 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 a, at the Staples Center for an hour and the spacing on the court is crazy like <laughs> you have so much room to do a lot of stuff so uh, I think he'll you know develop nicely for this team oh that's awesome bro I, I didn't even know that much about the difference of spacing with with court sizes but take your word for it that's that's yeah. wild. how did you even get to Staples and play for an hour <laughs> that's what I want to know he's an LA boy that's how <laughs> this man got money. <laughs> nah. did, you, did you play with Justin Bieber and them in a pro? <laughs> he was in that celebrity nah, game. Like... You didn't catch him. I wish. <laughs> man, um, my opinion of Josh Christopher, man, he's a, it's a very talented player. He has no reason to like fail. You know what I mean? Um, he's just, from what I've seen, like, he just needs to tighten a lot of stuff, right? Because it's not that he can't shoot. He doesn't have the fun. He doesn't have the form to shoot or the talent to score or even like the ability to not to defend. Like he's 6'5, 216, 6'8 wingspan. Like this man has the tools. It's more like IQ. They need to tighten up both sides, right? Both sides of the fence. Um, but he has everything in the world. I can understand completely why Stone picked him up. Stone picked him up for the same reason he picked up the other three guys. Josh Christopher, just like Usman Garuba, has a lot of scalability. He can play one, two, and possibly three. Even in even in ASU, he came out and said that the reason why he feels he didn't play up to his ability was because he had to play three, right? So his 1.4 assists per game uh, averages he feels like that doesn't do him enough justice in terms of his passing ability that he says to himself he says that and probably Corey can um you know back this claim up that he played point guard most of his life or combo guard right so um yeah he has it all um I believe in him um he just needs to tighten everything up and then we'll see from there um the G League will do him some good I wish he can get some NBA reps, but with Eric Gordon and the tank commander wall there, it's going to be hard to like push around minutes for him, but I can't wait to see what his development goes through. Like shout out to John Lucas. He's going to have his work on him because we have a lot of raw prospects. Um, But what I really love about Josh Christopher or Jacob is like, he's just vibes, man. Vibes. Like you see him after, uh, after he got picked. Yeah, that Instagram video is like he's brimming with happiness. Like there's a level of like childlike pureness to his like how he how he comes off that you just want him to succeed and you're just happy he's there. 
you don't even care if he doesn't pan out. You're just happy. It kind of reminds me of uh, Joe DeGreen. Maybe you used to have him. He's got those good vibes, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so I can only root for him. I hope he gets everything done and that um, I hope that the three Migos between Josh Christopher, KPJ, and our and our Lord and Savior, Jalen Green, like, I hope that, like, that bond from them playing and being, like, California guys, I hope that does something, you know what I mean? Well, at least, you know, uh, what's his name isn't from California, he's from Seattle, but, you know, he's been around Cali a lot with the USC, so I hope it really works out. I, I wish the best for those three. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh and we're about to hit the 45-minute mark in just a second here. So we're really going on long. Uh, I figure this would be a very long episode. But we're, we'll keep this next section short for that reason. Uh, we selected our guys in this draft last time that we wanted Houston to bring in. Maybe we aren't the best scouts, but I'll throw this out there. <laughs> Let's hear uh, just like two, three sentences tops. Keep it very brief. Um, how do you like where your guy got picked? And uh, what do you view his future being there? Oh, shout out to Bones Highland being picked up by Denver. I think that was a beautiful pick. You know, he's going to get his reps um, because their point guard is injured. So he will definitely be an instant impact guy. Um, He'll play behind. um, What's that point guard's name? He's one of the best uh, backup guards in the league. But Monte. Yeah, Monte Morris. Yeah. He'll play right behind Monte Morris, but that's cool. He's just going to get instant impact and playing time eventually until Jamal Murray comes back. Um, <laughs> he's he's a deadly shooter. He can finish at the rim at will. Has many combinations of gathering. Very slithery. Uh, he just knows how to get it, man. He gets it how he lives. And um, six nine wingspan, so he's going to be good defensively. I, I, I think he's going to be a problem. Eventually, he'll make it into the starting lineup. That's why I think that's my projection for him. You give us about 18 sentences there. We asked for two to three. Hey, um, man, I, I can't. <laughs> how am I supposed to, like, talk about your favorite son, man? Well, he's not my favorite son. Jalen Green is my favorite son, but he's <laughs> one of my favorite children. Uh, I guess I'll throw Trey Murphy out there. Um, I think yep. Trey Murphy is going to be great with the Pelicans. Great shooter, so he's going to help fix their spacing. Big body. That's always great to see combined with shooting. And then he's going to be helpful for Zion, uh, sharing the court with him, hopefully a little bit. Uh, not really sure how that rotation is going to work out, you know, how much he's actually going to, to play right off the bat because the forward spots are kind of locked down right now uh, in the starting lineup. But I think he's going to be a really solid pick. And I think he's going to be a great 3 and D guy in the league. And then for my guy is Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, who – the Thunder sent the 34th and 36th picks uh, to the Knicks for the 32nd picks to be able to get get him. I uh, love my Nova Nova guys. You know, they, they always come in very well prepared. I think he's a steal in this draft. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think he's going to do really well for this team. You look at some, some people from Nova, uh, thinking of like Jalen Brunson, for example, in the 2018 draft, he was second-round pick. I think he was a steal uh, for Mavericks as a backup point guard. Um, I mean, he shot 52% overall, 40% from three last season, averaging almost 13 points, which is key. So I think um, he definitely could be the you know starting power forward or 
probably, well, I guess, yeah, starting power forward for the Thunder moving forward. He's only 20 years old, so that's uh, him. What about our – well, it's like my unofficial second pick, but your second guy. Yeah, I was I was going to go ahead and do him, and then uh, I was going to go ahead and move on. Sharif Cooper fell to 48 Ooh. after he was projected to go top 20 for the last several months. He was top 20 on pretty much everyone's board. Maybe and so lying. I have no clue how in the hell this guy dropped so far. But I will say the Hawks got an absolute steal of a player, and he's getting to play in Georgia, in Atlanta. So I really like that too. And you know he's staying, he's staying home pretty much after playing at Auburn. And so the guy's going to be great. I think that he has a path to rotation minutes pretty much right off the bat, and he'll get to show a little bit of what he's got because um, their backup guards are like Kevin Herter at shooting guard, and then um, and then Lou Will. I think was running the back of one for them at times too. And he's not a great, he's not the best playmaker. Sharif is probably already a better playmaker than Lou Will is. That's right. Uh, and so I, I think Sharif definitely has a, a route to find some rotation minutes right off the bat in Atlanta. And so hopefully that pick pans out. And, you know, that's just absolute incredible steal for the Hawks to pick 48 in the second round. I can't believe he wasn't taken before that. I, I really hate that. People were passing on him, but I think that's going to be something teams look at in a couple of years and totally regret. Uh, on that note, I will say Rafael Stone is a much better scout than any of us are, and this will lead us into our final topic of the night. Uh, Stone has so shown a tendency to find really great young talent in the draft so far between this year and landing uh, three guys who are arguably top 20, and then you're getting the top 25 guy probably with Jay Gupp too. And so – Great draft for Houston all around. But you also see a lot of Stone's, uh, Stone's ability to flip deals for solid young talent, too, with a lot of upside. Because you had the Christian Wood trade that brought him here. You have the trade for Kevin Porter Jr. that brought him to Houston as well. And taking Jay a Sean fire Tate. on him, really. Yes, and absolutely. And bringing in Jay Sean Tate from the Sydney Kings of the NBL in Australia. Bringing him over with Will Weaver, too, if you really want to count that as a coach. Yeah. Uh, that's a great acquisition too. I know that's more on the, uh, it's not so much player wise, but you look at like all this, and especially KJ Martin at pick 52 last year, sending cash considerations to the Kings for pick 52. And we select KJ Martin who was averaging like damn near 20 points per game. And had, I think it was like six boards and three assists whenever he was starting at the end of the year last year, thrown into the starting lineup. I mean, and he was making threes. He started shooting, too. He fixed his jumper. And so I, it's just it's incredible to see all these moves that Stone is making. And so I think he's starting to solidify his place as one of the best, uh, best up-and-coming GMs in the league. I'm not going to say he's the best just yet because yeah. uh, we, have, we have a small sample size at this moment. But even the pick um, – or I'm sorry, even the trade with Oklahoma City sending out those two heavily protected future firsts for pick 16 and then taking a guy that was supposed to be – uh, mid lottery too like stone has a tendency to make these deals that just it seems like he's fleecing everyone really we gave up a top 50 what top 55 56 protected second for kpj who went 30th in his draft and would have been higher uh if there weren't character concerns at the time like stone is he's doing a great job in my mind and i just want to hear your thoughts on just grade him so far as the rockets gm to start off the rebuild as a gm i grade him an a I mean, there's he got the job on the heels of Maury being kicked out, Mike D'Antoni being kicked out, uh, Russ 
James Harden and PJ Tucker all saying they want out, right? If there wasn't somebody who was like in a franchise that looked like a burning house, like the burning house dog meme and just saying like, everything's fine, who was him? But the thing is the level of poise and and like the creativity that he has to just get these trades and make all these lateral moves to be able to um, get where we are is just nothing short but amazing, right? Um, it's kind of funny because people were bullying Rockets fans or at least the uh, Rockets general management or front office saying that, oh, why didn't you take care of Sever and Jarrett Allen, right? Imagine if we took them, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have this podcast today talking about our four picks. We would be talking about going to the playoffs and going out sad. I think as Rockets fans, I think we had enough of that, right? We had enough of that anxiety that we lived for or lived with for eight years with James Harden. So um, I think he's good. I do think that it's uh, funny that uh, there was a lot of rumors coming out that um, that Stone is not forthright in his plans and the way he does his draft process. But I think what that is translated is that um, he keeps things to his chest and that's why you don't see much leaks about the Rockets, right? And that um, it definitely speaks that when Daryl Morey was here, um, he was probably the guy that was actually drafting the trades and the transactions, while Daryl Morey was more the charismatic leader guy, right, who kissed babies and talked to the media and do those things. Eventually, Stone may grow into that. As we saw at the press conference, we saw how like his eyes lit up when he had to express his love for the players he drafted and how he believes in them and his process. Um, so yeah, I think he's an A. I, I, I really like the things that he's done. He's really made, um, he's taking lemons and turned it into lemonade. I'm impressed with him so far. Um, uh, for me, Graydon, Raphael Stone, I give him an A plus, um, just because, you know, you look at for, for, you know, for looking at the past, like couple of years before we got KPJ and stuff, I mean, you have Harden, you have Russ, you have Chris Paul. You know, we almost make it to the finals 2018. Like, you do, you have all these different things where you're not the GM and then you have people frustrated and want to leave, want to be traded, and then you're losing all your stars, your main guys. You get, like you said, uh, KPJ, you know, for peanuts, um, able to acquire the second pick. You're making moves on draft night, and this is like your first time uh, early in your your GM career, which for me is impressive, and then you, being able to find the talent and scouting the talent, doing all that, he's Rafael Stone's done a great job. But that leads to me stating, aside from the draft picks, getting Matthew Hurt from Duke on a two way contract. He led the ACC in scoring, eighteen points per game, averaging also six boards, shot forty four point four percent from three. And he shot 63.9% from two, which is very, very, very efficient and almost 56% overall. And, uh, you know, he's definitely was the best player, in my opinion, on Duke with doing that uh, 6'9 power forward. And although he's a two-way player, I feel like he can really convert that contract and be a part of rotation because pick and pop with him would be crazy. Yeah, even just getting Matthew Hurt, like the Rockets undrafted free agent signings, 
pretty solid. And then you see them bringing in Jalen Tate, who's got a good bit of upside too. Actually, the brother of Jay Sean Tate. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. He'll be playing with us for summer league uh, over the summer in Vegas. And so you look at all these moves that Stone has made, and he's kind of, you know, the future is bright because of him. I have a whole lot of faith in Raphael Stone and his ability to flip deals that put Houston at an advantage, uh, especially for rebuilding in the long run. Some of these prospects he took, it shows that he's willing to wait out this developmental process for them in order to get the best possible player. You know, if we didn't take guys who were ready to contribute now necessarily, but he took guys that uh, will take a while to develop their game and really get to uh, a spot where they're, they become a great player eventually down the road. Like he's willing to wait for that process. He's not trying to rush this thing. And then even his trades are great too, because the PJ, uh, PJ Tucker trade, and we get the ability to swap, uh, swap our second rounder for Milwaukee's pick. And you look at like the, the Robert Covington trade and his, it was really like what Stone's first week is GM and he flipped Rocco um, and he got a pick out of it too. And that pick turned in, to uh to one of our first rounders this year that and also so, led to us getting c wood too yes sir yeah. that too and so I, I think that stone is putting us at a very uh very significant advantage over other young rebuilding teams because Presty's over there being a degenerate and just hoarding pick after pick <laughs> after pick and <laughs> nobody I knows what him. he's doing that energy up he has a he's just a degenerate he has an addiction to hoarding it looks like it, man. The learning channel, just hoarding stuff. <laughs> you you got to do something with the picks eventually. I'm not, I'm not trying to totally discredit Sam Presti because there's a reason that he is an NBA GM and I am not, right? So I'm not going to go out here and claim to be better than Sam Presti because I'm not. But I think Presti's becoming blinded by the picks and he's taking the ultra-long approach to this, which sure, they can just flip all those for, you know, like a, superstars and build a super team based off of all the draft capital they have now. They own, like, it feels like they own 20% or something close to that. If I remember seeing a number somewhere, they own, like, 20% roughly of the next seven seven drafts. It's just, it's crazy what they're doing up there. And Stone is pretty close to them in terms of asset acquisition. He's running but, a Ponzi scheme over there. But, yeah, it feels like it. But, like, Stone has this plan. He has a concrete plan to getting us back into contention. And that's what you like to see. Because you can tell he, he knows what he's doing. He's taking guys with a lot of upside that he believes in, and he, he united every little section of draft Twitter. He united Hooper Twitter with Jalen Green and uh, Josh Christopher. He united the international scene by taking Shingun uh, and Garuba. And then uh, on top of that, the analytics community really loves Shingun too. And so I think Stone's doing an absolute great job. I give him an A as GM so far. Right. And the thing is, is like, um, not to trust Presty, but you know, what Presti's trying to do, it seems like he's trying to catch lightning in the bottle, right? And no pun intended about that. But, you know, the thing is about catching lightning in a bottle or just getting so lucky, drafting Kevin Durant, drafting Russell Westbrook, or drafting James Harden, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It's a literal lottery ticket. Um, the rumors of him trying to trade off SGA for more picks when you have a talented uh 20 year old right talent that damn near average 50 40 90 um it's, it's kind of ridiculous you know what i mean um and it, it just screams that you just don't want to pay him money because you're embracing the tank um 
somebody needs to look at that franchise seriously and saying, what are we doing here? Right. As in terms of um, Stone, um, what I've seen is that he's done a lot of um, interesting moves to get better because our old leadership in Daryl Morey was stuck to his process of Morey ball and stuck to just sticking with his in-house guys. But the thing about becoming a better organization is just um, getting outside guys to go and, um, you know, strengthen your your thought process, you know, to upgrade everything. And um, that's why if you look at it, we, the Houston Rockets are one of the teams that hired a bunch of guys from draft Twitter. You know what I mean? So using these analytic models is part of the reason why um, they got the guys that they got at good value. Right. So I can't wait to see them in a few months on the court. It was going to be awesome. I would not be surprised if RP three and a uh, uh, ball don't ball don't stop to start coming to our games. I'd rather just gulag them, but Oh, well, if they come to our games and that's awesome, but it is what it is. I'm excited. I just got one last thing to say for, for Raphael Stone and them is do not do what Daryl Morey did. Do not lie to anybody. Just trade them randomly. Do all that kind of stuff. No, we need to build the loyalty back. Oh, he's going to do that. I mean, what we have seen from these four draft picks, that means he's, he, he, I'm not going to say he's embracing the tank, but he's not rushing the process either. Um, we don't have to worry about uh, just rushing, expediting the process and doing ridiculous things. We're here for the long haul. He wants to build something special, and we'll get that. And that's definitely what we're doing. Uh, as you watch this sure. team, there's, there's a whole lot of talent that's just up and coming. Uh, you know, just say that one of these picks hits and turns into a superstar. You know, you, you got you have four of them is the thing. And so maybe it's a more of a long shot for Jacob to be a superstar than is Jalen Green. Any of these guys could really be amazing one day. Like they're they're high upside, and you add that uh, those four draft picks to the little young core that we have. So now we're talking Wood, KPJ, KJ Martin, Tate, and then you've also got Jalen Green, Alfred Shengun, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba. Like that is a special group, and I think that is pretty pretty solid. As far as young cores go, that's probably one of the best young cores in the league. And say two of those guys don't pan out long term, right? You still have six really good young guys down the road, and they're just they're going to get better as time goes on. So we're definitely building something special here. If you really like to talk about Raphael Stone and his process to give the Houston Rockets franchise a facelift, we will have a full episode on that coming for y'all sometime down the road in the next couple of weeks. We're really excited to get that to you and just talk about the whole reputation around the Rockets and how we're changing everyone's perception of the team and how Stone has done that. And so make sure to tune in for that. Uh, for those of you who have stuck with us through this entire long draft special, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. You guys, uh, guys, anything else before we go? Yeah, man. Uh, we thank you guys, man. We're up here doing this at 1 a.m. in the morning Eastern time, getting this done for you. Like, you know, because we're just we want to share our excitement with y'all about what we saw yesterday. So, you know, I hope you're excited as we are. I hope we gave you enough information so that you can um, feel even more confident for Summer League or beyond that. So, um, yeah. Um, if you want more from us, just follow our social accounts. My account is um, on Twitter. It's just Zeke, I-T-Z, 
J-U-S-T-Z-E-K-E. And you can find me on Green Room. Yeah, uh, just get ready to tune in the Summer League. I'm excited to see uh, Jalen and Jacob run it back like the AAU. Um, and yeah, you can tune in um, onto my Twitter. It's at Corey A. Randall, C-O-R-E-Y-A-R-A-N-D-A-L-L. And let's get it, H-Town. Yes, sir. And you can find me on Twitter at KSmithHoops. And that's going to be it for episode four here at the Liftoff Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. It's all love from the H. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Peace. Peace.